Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Are Bible-believing Christians truly noticing the rapid changes redefining our world? Welcome to today's Crosspoint. I'm your host, Mark Taylor, and my guest today is a man who has spent 30 years plus as a pastor. He's done it through different denominations. He's been a public school teacher, a trial attorney, and most recently a radio broadcaster with his program, Viewpoint, which can be heard here on KNEO, Charles Chrismeyer. Charles, you put a book out, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, and uh, I looked right in here in the book on page 21 of it. It says, Publications issuing out from Israel over the quarter century of past confirmation on ever-intensifying belief that the world has now entered the final Messianic age and is rapidly moving toward the desire of the ages, the long-expected King Messiah. You say many throughout the Muslim world are also convinced we are living in the Messianic age. Uh, Why in the Muslim world, Charles? Well, it's because uh, in the Muslim world, particularly in one faction of the Muslim world, uh, they have a strong conviction that their Messiah is called the Mahdi and uh, the 12th Imam, and that the world is preparing now for the uh, coming of the Mahdi, the recognition of this Mahdi, and their view is that they must create chaos in the world, maximize chaos in the world, in order for their Mahdi to show up. So that is their messianic view. Uh, It's not a biblical messianic view, but it is a messianic view. And they conflate, actually, many of the things that are spoken concerning the uh, Messiah and or Antichrist, actually, uh, with their own uh, messianic view. So that's a very strong position that they take. And uh, for that reason, Iran... Uh, believes that it must obtain nuclear power uh, for the bomb in order to usher in the coming of the Mahdi. Okay. Now, and I guess others in the world, too, believe that are looking for some kind of deliverer or messianic leader uh, to step up uh, to the plate because of all the chaos you think going on in the world? Well, that's true. That's true. And uh, people are becoming more and more desperate. There is a reason why uh, law enforcement is uh, talking about upping the ante, even with regard to America's election, uh, because people are becoming more and more angry, more and more enraged by the fact that they cannot trust government, they can't trust uh, the institutions. Uh, everything that they thought could be trusted cannot be trusted, and that's uh, a worldwide experience now, uh, yeah. coupled with Uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine, China's rise, declaration uh, of uh, totalitarianism through Xi Jinping, who declares that he is going to, he and China are going to rule the world within 30 years. And uh, you have one thing right after the other that is producing such a, a sense of instability in the world that people are crying out for some sort of relief, some sort of deliver somebody to step up to the plate 
and uh, provide an answer and uh, tell them what they want to hear. Now, you talk about that in the book. It's maybe just about towards the middle of the book, uh, where you talk about the story of environmental salvation. <laughs> it's in the part of, you know, <laughs> of the you know, yeah. environmental defecation is what you call the other. But that is a big place that they are putting a lot of their uh, push on to try to this global, this going green and all this stuff that they're talking about. This is a very, mm-hmm. very big deal, isn't it? It's a very big deal. In fact, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, former uh, and final president of the Soviet Union before its uh, collapse, uh, went to the Presidio in San Francisco and uh, was there for uh, about 30 years until the end of his life, just uh, this last year. And he declared that environmentalism was the cornerstone of the new world order. Those are his words. Environmentalism is the cornerstone of the new world order. In other words, another way to put that would be environmentalism uh, is, uh, shall we say, looked to as the savior of the world to uh, enable globalists to unite the world in one common purpose, and that is a self-salvation of the world through environmentalism. That is exactly how it's looked upon. And uh, so they must, from their viewpoint, they must focus on the environment, uh, not from the standpoint that most people would think of the environment. We want to have good, clean water, and we want to have uh, the cleanest air we can. This goes way, way beyond that. This goes to the worship of Mother Earth as an alternative to Father God. Now, you also, you know, you mentioned the New World Order. You know, we started hearing about this in years past, the New World Order. Mm -hmm. But now we've got a, I mean, they're not used to the kind of, talked about it, but they didn't push it too much. But now they're really pushing this issue. Now, who's behind all of this? I mean, is there a a certain group? I mean, you're talking about this here in your book, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is what you're talking about, a Messiah. But it all has to do with culminating with the Messiah coming, I'm sure. You know, and, and I'm sure all these little things play a part into all that, don't they? Yes, they do. They're all component parts uh, to the great setup, shall we say, for the alternative Messiah, known as the Antichrist, to take dominion. This is going to happen uh, through the pursuit of globalism, and he is going to promise peace and tranquility. The prophet Daniel says that through the pursuit of peace, he actually will end up destroying many. Well, uh, when we look at globalism, the concept. People used to refer to this as conspiracy theory. Well, that was put to rest in 1990 when the 41st president of the United States, uh, Herbert Walker, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, the senior Bush, declared before a joint session of Congress uh, the New World Order. I remember. It was the first time an American president had ever voiced such a term. And then over 200 times during his administration, he repeated the theme. And uh, so from there, it became somewhat accepted and normative. And now it has reached an intensity and taken on a a euphemistic 
expression called the Great Reset. All the Great Reset is is the triggering of the final effort toward a new world order or a world government. And uh, it's interesting that uh, George, excuse me, uh, John Kerry, who is the environmental czar uh, for uh, Joe Biden as the putative president of the United States, uh, declared that Joe Biden was the one to usher America and the world into the Great Reset. Now, this is fascinating because you see the trajectory uh, of, of those words being fulfilled in so many different ways uh, through the Biden administration that is actually bringing the role of the United States and its economic power, its uh, uh, political power, even the safety of the citizens and the invasion from uh, across the border. All of these things are contributing to the diminishing of the United States to prepare it for being ushered into this new global order. In order, Mark, for that to happen, they have to get the uh, the primary leaders for that to make that happen are going to come within the young people, the uh, millennial and Generation Z. They're the ones that have been prepared for the past 30 years through education and so on to receive the foundational principles of this new global order and to diminish anything of value that is seen in and through America's history. So it's it's a complex thing that's moving forward, but the great leaders of this are people, for the most part, that we do not know. They're not recognized out there. Uh, the George Soros's of the world, yes, he's doing everything he can to finance uh, the diminishing of America by his own admission. Uh, but Klaus Schwab, there of the World Economic Forum, is the one who is kind of the titular leader expressing the vision for this new global order and the Great Reset. The Pope himself, Pope Francis, is calling for a new world order. In fact, the last three popes have called for a new world order and a new global government coupled with or expressed in a new uh, financial system that would be governed from top down, uh, there is no end in sight, Mark, to the choreography, uh, a choreography of this move toward a world system. And of course, in order for that to happen, ultimately there has to be an ultimate leader. That ultimate leader will be a counterfeit messiah. The people will look to him. He will be presented as the great greatest thing since sliced bread. And uh, we'll proceed then the actual and true Messiah, who is truly the Prince of Peace, who will restore the government of God on the earth as opposed to the government of Satan.
Now, in all of this, you've got this group, and you talk about it, the Make America Great movement that's kind of stood in the way of this progressive policies and the globalist thinking <laughs> and all that. So that is why they're fighting so hard against what they call mega this or anything else, because they see this is maybe the number one thing that's now really standing against them, and they have got to destroy that type of thinking. Mark, correct? you're absolutely right. I talk about that in the book and it's on my own radio program, have spoken about this uh, for a very long time. The issue is not Donald Trump, per se. The issue is not his tweets that an awful lot of people didn't really like. The real issue is what he stood for. He stood for restoring the undergirding purposes of the United States of America, the foundational purposes, and he called it Make America Great Again. Well, that went 100% against the vision of the globalists. They believed that they were right on the near edge of ushering in this one world government. That's the reason why, think about this, that's the reason why George Herbert Walker Bush, before his passing, voted for Hillary Clinton, who was a consummate globalist, instead of voting for a Republican. Why is that? Because the Bush family, by and large, were just dedicated globalists, including George W. Bush. They're all globalists. And uh, so if, if you don't understand that, you cannot understand the vitriol with which the attacks on Donald Trump have come about and are persisting to this date. They yeah. say, we are not going to allow this man or anybody like him to deter us from this final goal that we're about to achieve called a one-world government. We're not going to allow it. We're going to do whatever it takes if we have to lie, cheat, and steal, whatever we have to do, corrupt the FBI, whatever we have to do to accomplish this goal. It's yep. uh, it's it's pretty vigorous. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, Charles, you've written several books. You, you know, you're a busy man. You pastored churches in different roles. Yep. Uh, this book, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, or anything else you've done, how would people find out more about the book and and maybe going to your website and visiting with you or getting more information? Yeah, well, thank you, Mark. Uh, the book, by the way, is my latest book. It's my tenth book. The one just before it was called Antichrist, uh, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. Now, this one is the next in—it's not really a series, but in, in terms of time and focus, I guess you could look at it that way. The book is available on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Uh, people can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us. They can go to the website, saveus.org, get the address there. Interestingly, people are saying that this is an extremely timely book. It covers so many different messianic alternatives. Uh, even science itself has become a messianic alternative. And perhaps later on in our conversation, we can talk about that. But the book is available right there on the website, saveus.org, and people can listen to our radio program 
called Viewpoint, Confronting the Deepest Issues of America's Heart and Home, right there on the website, saveus.org. Yeah, and they can listen to it here on the radio as well, where we hear it. And, That's right, yeah. absolutely. And, and right this, there in the, good old Missouri. Yeah, and, and, and this book, like you said, and I will tell the people, this isn't a little book. This is a book that's full of all kinds of information. And you're right, you just go from one subject to the next. So anyway, folks, stay with us. We're going to be back with more right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today is Charles Krismeyer. Uh, we're talking about Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages, the book that he's got out. And Charles, there's a lot to this book. You also talk about in the book about this, this spirit of rebellion and anarchy. Uh, this is all really planned in a way, isn't it, to try to bring about change? Because when people have to deal with a bunch of this stuff, they want to like relief from it. And, you know, they know that the people that are behind it. So some of this stuff is really being planned, isn't it? Well, it is being planned. You could say it's being planned by humankind. Indeed, that's true. But humankind were given dominion in the earth by God himself. Therefore, Satan is behind it, but he cannot do that work in the earth because God has given dominion to man in the earth. So Satan, Lucifer, works through man to accomplish his purpose. And that ultimate man will be the Antichrist or the counterfeit Christ. The and and he is going to precede, obviously, the true Messiah. It's one thing to say that man is doing all of this, but indeed Satan is accomplishing his declared purpose. He said in his rebellion in the heavenlies on the Mount of God in the heavens. He said, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north. I will be like the Most High God. In other words, he said, I am going to ascend to the Temple Mount. So if people want to really understand the depths of that and how far it goes, they're going to have to go back two books for me to King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain, the epic end-time uh, battle for he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. Uh, that is going to help people understand the tra- uh, tra- trajectory, the progression of this, even from creation itself to our present time. But now uh, the rebellion is uh, increasing so greatly. We see it in our own country. Look at the division in this country. What is that division created by? It's not fundamentally a political division, Mark. It's a spiritual division. It's a radical spiritual division where half of the country or more has repudiated the very foundational biblical and spiritual foundations of the country. Just repudiate it, denied it, mock it, uh, reject it. And so this is an expression of Satan's rebellion itself. And if this can happen in a country like America, founded on a 
covenant relationship with God all the way going back to 1607, 1620, 1630, uh, which is, those are the real foundational places in our country historically, not the Declaration of Independence. That's a, that's a corporate foundation, but it's not the spiritual foundation. So what is desired now is to destroy the spiritual foundation and then ultimately destroy the corporate foundation by destroying the spiritual foundation so that there's nothing left and we can be merged into the one world order to prepare the way for Satan's chosen person called the counter, the the anti-Messiah or anti-Christ. And I guess this all started with political correctness, the cancel culture then come into that, and multiculturalism, uh, religious pluralism. They've all been granted some authority into our lives, into our nation, and now this stuff has built up and been allowed to just kind of take wings and fly all over the place to now it's not just affecting places on the east or the west coast like it used to, but it's kind of getting in all of America, isn't it? Well, it's invaded the entire culture. And uh, interestingly, you should bring that up. In 1993, when we formed Save America Ministries as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation, the very first newsletter that I wrote contained a, a lengthy article uh, dealing with a deadly virus that was sweeping the land. That deadly virus was political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism. And uh, what we're now seeing is how that deadly virus, worse, far worse than COVID-19, has invaded not only the secular culture, but even the church. Yeah. Now, if that can happen which it has happened uh, from coast to coast, you know that the world is in deep trouble. And uh, yes, there is a crying, uh, a messianic cry going out, but people are not necessarily looking for the Messiah uh, promised in the Scripture, but are looking for an alternative that will make everybody feel better, at least for the moment. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where you talk about there when you talk in your area of the New Age mystical Messiah there. Uh, <laughs> cha- chapter 7, yeah. I think it is, in the book, you talk about the false Christ, the future Christ. I mean, people don't realize it, but all these different areas are just becoming like Christ, the Messiah, to people. And exactly. you know, it's it's and they don't even recognize it. They don't even pick up on what they're doing. Um, I just, you know, I, I scratch my so head. So they're sometimes. using the name of Christ to deceive many. In yeah. fact, Jesus himself in this Olivet Discourse said that many will come in his name and deceive many. There's much deception coming in the name of the Lord, and we're not talking about uh, theological heresy, that kind of thing. We're talking about actually using the name of the Lord to deceive. So the New Age Christ is, in fact, uh, you. You are the, are, the, are the Christ. You are the uh, Christ consciousness. And here's what's absolutely fascinating about this. And you would think that the New Age gospel, so to speak, uh, would be so tolerant, would be so loving. But here's how it ends up being translated out. In the words of those who are the key gurus, shall we say, say, of the New Age Messiah, and that is, if you don't agree 
come into agreement with the concept of everybody is moving into godhood and Christhood, and you are becoming Christ-conscious, if you don't agree with that, you will be selected out. Now, that's a euphemism for removed from the planet. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't sound like ultimate persecution, I don't know what does. But that's what they're saying. You will be selected out. What's fascinating about that is that the UN already has that concept woven into its plan for the future. That those who will not cooperate with the move toward a one-world government must be removed because they are the ultimate enemies of world peace. Also in the book, you suggest that, like, the COVID pandemic kind of merged biotechnology with digital technology. What was the Mm -hmm. significance in doing that? (laughs) Well, uh, one reflection or expression of that was the patent filed by Bill Gates. I believe it was 2021. uh, It might have been 2020 um, in March. He filed a patent application with the uh, patent office, U.S., had the effect, what he was actually doing was taking the concept of a vaccine or a jab and not only applying it medically, but applying it economically. In other words, this jab would insert in humankind across the world the ability through a chip to be able to track every human being and conduct all of the financial business of the individual and the world through this system that he has filed a patent for. This is an ultimate control, and uh, it is, uh, it, at its root, it may seem like it's biotechnology, so to speak, which it is, but at its root, it's spiritual dominion. It's taking away the freedom of humankind uh, and trusting God to force every human being on the planet to trust the new one world government. Now, you talk a lot about, you know, globalism, economics, environment, mm-hmm. all in there. Mm-hmm. But what is it we're not seeing, I guess I could say, that's going on that the book talks about, uh, you know, because, you know, there's that um, bait and switch and all that kind of stuff that goes on all the time. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. heard so much stories from coming out of these. I mean, I knew politicians weren't real honest most of the time, but good grief mm-hmm. anymore. Anything they say, they, they'll be calling something something. It's totally not. And everybody knows it. But them seems like. Yeah. Is this well, it's the changing of the language. Uh, <clears throat> words count. Yeah. And uh, if if the deception is going to take place, uh, the language has to be distorted, has to be changed, so that uh, you cannot identify words for what they used to mean. So it creates a kind of chaos in the uh, uniform understanding of communication. Uh, many would refer back to 1984, that book, uh, and uh, how the language was distorted and changed and was enforced. Those changes were enforced by governmental agencies. So you have to talk, you have to speak the required speech and talk 
and you cannot disagree. And to disagree is to commit an ultimate offense against society and the world. So words count, and I would urge Christians, uh, I, I, I tell you, Mark, uh, I have watched this take place not only in the, in the uh, secular world, but also in the Church. Yeah. Changing of the language, we've accepted the world's standards for changing certain language to make things seem acceptable that God says he hates. So to speak the language of God's love is to be hate speech now. See how this happens? And hate speech now becomes, let me tell you how far this goes. Just this last week, uh, a report came out that the majority, or almost the majority, of those in the millennial and Generation Z now believe, I think it was like 43%, now believe that a person who uh, engages in what they call hate speech is worthy of the electric chair, the death penalty. That's how far this is going. Yeah, and it continues to go there, and that shouldn't even trouble us that much more. So now again, uh, Charles, tell us about the book, other books you've written, because you've mentioned in here, you know, hey, you've got to go back a book or two, and we've talked mm-hmm. in past mm-hmm. cross points about some of your other books, and they're all good books to, to get, but tell us if they want to go to your website, what they can find there. Okay. Well, the website is saveus.org, not Save USA, but saveus.org, uh, and uh, right there, uh, we've got 10 books, and uh, if you go back, you find... They set up a pattern of preparation for the coming of the Lord. For instance, we have a book called The Secret of the Lord. What is that all about? Well, the Bible says that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And to them, and them only, he will reveal or manifest his covenant. Well, what has been lost in our country, in the Western world, and particularly in the United States of America? The fear of the Lord. It used to be standard communication in this country. When a person uh, was deemed to be an honorable person whose word was their bond and so on, he was referred to as a God-fearing man, whether or not he was a Christian. When was the last time you heard anybody use that phrase? I've asked pastors and other parachurch leaders about this on my program, and not one of them can remember in the last 30 years anybody using that phrase. Why? because we have lost, even abandoned, the concept of the fear of the Lord. Because we think that we've been told that God is just love, and He's not truth and justice and judgment, then we have abandoned half of the character of God and have made ourselves susceptible to doing our own will. Not the will of the Father, but the will, our own will. So that's, that's a book out there called The Secret of the Lord. We've got a book called uh, Hearts of the Fathers, How to Leave a Legacy That Lasts. I tell you, what's the number one social problem in the country today? Fatherlessness. Even the secular leaders say the number one problem in America today, uh, that is at a secular level, is fatherlessness. Whoa. That book shows how Christian fathers can be true fathers, because the reality is they may be sperm donors, but they're not true followers from God's 
uh, perspective. Yeah. So that's a very helpful book because if we, if fathers do not come to the uh, position of seeing their role in discipling, truly discipling their children for destiny, then who's going to do it? It's not happening anywhere. And so the children are being left to the discipling of the public school, their uh, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever else they're following. And it's a very, very dangerous world. Fathers, we've got to step up to the plate. And then ultimately, uh, I I mentioned the book uh, King of the Mountain. I had a Jewish rabbi interview me concerning that book. We started out with a one-hour interview. He said, Chuck, this isn't going to cut it. Will you come back next week? Do you know that we ended up with a seven-week interview, an hour a day, concerning just one book? Have you ever heard of such a thing? No. No. He said, I have never, ever, ever witnessed or seen anything like this that is so probative of our minds and our hearts. And uh, indeed, it sets the stage for our understanding of what really is transpiring in our world, the nations of the world, why things are moving the way they are, and where they're going to end up. King of the Mountain, the epic end time and eternal battle for he who rules the Temple Mount is deemed to rule the world. And then, of course, Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter, and now this latest book, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. And wait, I tell you, when people read that chapter called The Third Day in Messiah, it is going to grab their hearts. Well, folks, when we come back, we're going to pick up with a part five in the book where it gives you a warning as you go into chapter 20, which I've never seen in a book. So you want to talk about being challenged. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. A place of hope. Christian Radio is encouraging you. It's lifting you up. It's speaking positive stuff to you. It's reminding you, oh yeah, God is bigger Bigger. than what you're going through. God is greater. Experience hope on 91.7 The Word. You're listening to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. My guest today is Charles Chris Meyer. We're talking about his latest work, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. And uh, as I said when I left the last segment, Charles, part five of your book is entitled The Corruption of Certainty. Now you go into that and then you get ready to enter into chapter 20. And I've never seen this in a book before. It says, there, it says, warning, there may be some, perhaps many, who will feel discomfort in reading the following chapter. So tell us what they're stepping into when they kind of get into <laughs> chapter 20. Well, <laughs> it's called the mystification of belief. And then the next chapter is called the confusion of complexity. Here, here's the problem under undergirding the word belief. We in America uh, basically have a Greco-Roman uh, background and heritage. And within that background, the word believe means something very different than the word believe from a Hebraic viewpoint. And yet the Bible is not written from a Greco-Roman viewpoint. It's written from a Hebrew viewpoint. So what's the difference? The difference is so fundamental and so important that uh, ultimately, if we don't begin to comprehend the difference, we're going to miss 
major implications of God's plan for preparation of us for the end times. So here it is. From the Greco-Roman viewpoint, the word believe basically means to give mental assent to a certain set of facts. For instance, we would say, well, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe uh, that God created the heaven and earth. Yes, I believe that we've all sinned, and so on. Uh, that's giving assent to certain facts. Well, that's not what the Bible is about. The Bible isn't about information. It's about transformation. There isn't a single place in the Bible that tells us to be informed. It calls us to be transformed. So why is it that we have such information? We're on information overload, and we don't see very much transformation in our country or even in our churches. It's because of a faulty view of the word believe. From a Hebraic viewpoint, the word believe means not only to give assent to certain facts, but to conform your life accordingly. That's where the word obey comes in. By the way, the word obey now has become the most hated word in the church by admission of many, many pastors who have come on my radio program. How can the very word that God says is the number one way to please Him, how can that become the most hated word in the church? It's because we we have severed the true idea of believing from God's viewpoint and converted it into a mere factual assertion, so we don't have to live according to the word, ways, word, will, and ways of the Lord. We can do our own thing while giving lip service to certain facts. Yes, I believe. Yes, I'm a believer. Doesn't mean anything. Jesus said, many are going to come in my name, yep. and they're not going to, and they're not going to make it. He said, only those who are going to make it are those who do the will of my Father. In other words, who understand what it means to believe, to act according to what you say you believe. Critically important. And uh, so we've got to restore that understanding of belief, or people are going to be caught up in the judgment of Revelation 21. These things are just not being taught uh, in our churches today, because pastors, to the, for the most part, are desiring to build their congregations, to increase their the power, perks, and position, and therefore they need to please the people and tell the people what they want to hear. Yeah. God's view is, tell the people what I want them to hear, not what you want them to hear. Yeah. Now, Charles, do you believe that many Christians are being deceived and will be deceived more with this, you know, imposter, the Messiah, and all these other things that are going on right now, there seems to be a lot of deception out there. Well, it's absolutely true. Jesus said it was going to be that way. The Apostle Paul said it was going to be that way. The Apostle Peter, Peter said it was going to be that way. I don't know why we don't get it. Yeah. I don't think we want to get it. But Jesus said, uh, you'll recall, on the, in the Two days before his crucifixion, his disciples gathered with him on the Mount of Olives, and they asked him very privately what would be the sign of his coming at the end of the age. And the very first thing that Jesus said was, take heed that no man deceive you. He didn't talk about wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and famines and so like that until he warned them about the deception. Then, after telling them about the wars and famines and so on, he said, now, many are going to come in my name. 
and deceive many. Then, as if that were not enough, he said, look, to put it in the vernacular, he said, look, guys, I have to tell you how serious this is going to be. The deception is going to be so great that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. I believe that for sure. Jesus was giving a very serious warning. And we need to understand that. That's why I wrote the book, by the way, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Yeah. Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. By the way, that's on our website as well, saveus.org. God is very concerned about these things. Jesus was concerned about them. Paul was concerned about them. Peter and John were concerned about it. James was concerned about it. Why aren't we? Yeah, that's that's true. And you know, you did mention you know chapter twenty nine, the third day, and and that chapter there. Uh, that's you know right at the back of that, at the end there, you you talk about time is fleeting, and the moments of moment of truth lies straight ahead in the valley of decision. Soon the trumpet will sound, the time will be no more. Messiah came once to save us from our sin. When he comes again, he will come to us in and for our sin. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a uh, third day. Tell us about it. Well, I don't want to disclose the fullness of that. That's okay. <laughs> People need to read the book. But sure. On the other hand, uh, if we go back to the book of Exodus, we find that as the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were led to a place called Sinai, something happened at Sinai on the third day. God told Moses to address the people concerning the third day. Now, what's interesting is that that theme then rolls through the Scripture in several different places, and what we are actually going to be confronted with is the third day. What is God going to do on the third day? What does the third day mean? Well, one place, Peter said, the day with the Lord is is a thousand years. So let's take a look. Uh, How long has it been, Mark, since uh, Christ's crucifixion and resurrection? Well... Approximately 2,000 years, right? Yeah, approximately. Yeah, nobody knows the exact day, but yeah, you bet. Well, put it this way. Most scholars now believe that uh, Jesus was born somewhere around 4 B.C. That means that he was crucified, rose again, somewhere around uh, 30 A.D. Well, guess what's scheduled to happen at 2030, 2,000 years later? Yeah, you just got my next question. (laughs) The Great Reset, That's right. right. That's exactly right. The Great Reset. Now, if a day with the Lord is is 1,000 years, 1,000 years is a day, How many days will it have been since Jesus' resurrection and crucifixion on 2030? Two days. Two days. Right? Two days. Ah, are we getting ready to move into the third day? And what's going to happen on the third day? That's what that chapter is about. And it should grab the mind and heart of every true follower of Christ, including our pastors. Yes, it should. 
There's no doubt about that. It should. Do you, <laughs> do, do you think that people, and I guess in the book you talk about apocalypse, you know, kind of meaning, uh, you know, revelation. What is that, do you think, kind of misinterpreted uh, by people sometimes? Isn't that a great question? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you. We tend to think of the word apocalypse as meaning something horrific. Right. Something just terrifying. And they call it apocalyptic. Well, that's not what apocalypse means at all. Apocalypse means an unveiling, a revelation. So the book of Revelation is not basically called the revelation. It's called the, the unveiling, the apocalypse. Now, perhaps you can understand why the subtitle of the book Messiah is called Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, because we are ready to see the apocalypse. And this book helps us to navigate the dangerous terrain of beliefs that are countermanding uh, the coming of Christ and uh, what that's going to be like. About 20 years ago, I was flying across the country, had a layover uh, in a Delta room, and uh, there was a, a fellow sitting across from me in the room, so we engaged one another in conversation. He identified himself as a international engineer for the Sony Corporation. I thought, that's interesting. So we were talking, and he was all excited about talking about the move of technology, uh, and that was at that time, 20-some years ago. And he said, you know, there's going to come a time when we're not going to need telephone instruments because they'll all be implants. I thought, well, that's interesting. But he didn't stop there. He went on and made this statement. Without ever slowing down, he said, and the day is coming when we will be God. I want you to think about that. We have a whole chapter in the book about scientific messianism or the Messiah view of the movement of technology and science. Do you know, Mark, that the ultimate effect of every religious belief, science itself, the move of technology, all of these conclude with one thing that unifies them all, and that is you are the Messiah. Yeah. You are going to save yourself. Can you imagine then how radically deceptive all this is going to be as the New World Order comes on? Yeah. It's all about self-salvation, contrary to the Word of God. Well, Charles, there's a lot, a lot more to the book than what we talked about today. Uh, <laughs> Messiah unveiling the mystery of the ages. Again, tell people how they can find out more and get a copy of that. Will, I appreciate it. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I would urge you to try to get the book that way, because you need to go to that website and see what else is there. I think it would be very encouraging, very helpful. You're going to find all kinds of fact sheets that are going to be in court, uh, included there. You can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. I think it'll be a blessing to you, an encouragement, and will steer you away from the uh, the desperate deception that is coming upon the earth. All right. Well, again, thanks so much for taking time to be with us on Crosspoint today. Really appreciate it, Mark. Well, folks, that was a really good interview today with Charles Chris Meyer. I encourage you to dig into that book. It really does open your eyes to a lot of things going on. And also dig yourself into the other book that my other hand holds right now, The Holy Bible. 
everything centers around that, folks. Even though people are trying to void it out of society, it's still the Word of God and the very essence of life can be discovered in the pages of the Bible. It will accurately direct your life if you will follow it. And the Bible contains, you know, the most important words you're ever going to read, but certainly ever need to be following. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNEO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen in. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.